And if you have your Bibles, you can begin turning to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Now, when we think of missions, often we, the first thing that comes to mind, our minds, is I hope God doesn't call me or my children to missions. If we're honest with ourselves, that's the thought that comes to many of our minds. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone. We don't want to have to uproot and move away. We don't want our children so far away that we can't give them a phone call when they be right there by our side. We want them close by. If you don't believe that, ride around Robinson County and see how many homes are right behind mom and daddy's home. Or right beside mom and daddy's home. Or right in front of mom and daddy's home. Uh, it's not just mom and daddy don't want their children too far away. It's also that children don't want to get too far away. And, and I understand that. I really get that. I don't want my daughter too far away. But more important than that, I want her close to God. And I want her where God would have her to be. Every time I say things like that, Iola begins to cringe and she wants me to be very careful. But I know if she's where God wants her, she's in the best place she can be. When we, and, and, you know, there are some things that can maybe soothe our minds as we think about missions. There were some quotes from some missionaries. Uh, Hudson Taylor once said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered it's a command to be obeyed. So when we think about missions, as a born-again believer, we have to obey the call to missions. Uh, Hudson Taylor also went as far as to say God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. So that lets us know that whatever we need, wherever he sends us, he's going to provide for us so that we're able to have exactly what we need. William Carey, and no, not the actor, but the missionary, he said, is, is not the commission of our Lord still binding upon us? Can we not do more than we are doing right now? The mission that God's called us on ought to press our hearts. If we are born-again believers, and I believe many of us in here are, I believe there's more born-again believers than there are not in here because I've, I've heard your testimonies. But the question is always, can we do more than what we're doing? I know for me, the answer is always yes. Henry Martin stated the spirit of Christ is the spirit of missions. The nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. <laughs> So we hear often, well, I just want to draw close to God. Well, my question is, how missional is your life? I know everyone's not going to another country. I, I understand that. I understand everyone's not going to another state. I understand that completely. But our life itself should be missional. And, and if for our life to be missional, it is that, that when we come in contact with people who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that we are willing and, and ready to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. The mission is that, that no man would perish, but that all would know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's the mission that we're on today. It's the mission of sharing the gospel to the lost. And here we, as we looked last week, 
in, in the missions, well, I want us to turn our attention again into missions. And today for our reading, we're going to look in these three verses. And in these three verses, the Bible says in verse, seven, uh, verse 18, 19, and 20 of the 28th chapter of Matthew, it says, And Jesus came and spake with them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. God, we thank you. We thank you that you were missional. We thank you, God, that from the very beginning, You've been missional. It's been your desire that all peoples of all nations would be reconciled to you. And so, God, we pray that you would help us as we move forward, that we become more missional than we've ever been. That, God, that we would see your unlimited missions before us. See this unlimited field ready, ready, God, to be harvested. God, help us to go into that field. And share your gospel. And we'll praise you for what you do in the midst of it all. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You know, as we did look last week at God's unlimited mission. If I'd done my job correctly. If I did. Then we should be able to see that from the very beginning. God desired that all people and all nations would be reconciled to him. As a matter of fact, 2 Peter 3 and 9 says, The Lord's not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. So God created every person in his image, and he desires that all peoples of the earth know him for all eternity. So God's mission to reconcile all peoples of the earth to himself, it included his only begotten son, Becoming the ultimate, sufficient, and final sacrifice for all sin. Now, whether we get that or not, it's the truth. Jesus is the ultimate. He is the sufficient. And he is the final sacrifice for sins. There'll never be another to sacrifice their life for the sin of the world. Jesus did that, and it's sufficient. It's sufficient for you. It's sufficient for me. It was sufficient for grandma and granddaddy, and it'll be sufficient for all generations to come. Jesus' work on the cross was enough. We don't have to add to it. (laughs) We don't have to build on it. We just have to share it. When we look in this, when we begin to think about missions and we think about God's unlimited missions and as we turn to the New Testament, we, we begin to see that it was continued. God's unlimited mission is continued in his son. So if you want to really know where that begins, let's just look at the birth of Jesus. At the birth of Jesus, it was like no ordinary birth. The birth was heralded by the angel of the Lord. He, uh, and he came to the shepherds, and in, in Luke's gospel, we see that. We see in Matthew's gospel where the, the angel of the Lord came to the wise men, and, and what we find is, is that when he came to the shepherds in, in Luke's gospel, we, we find that after sharing that, that the Christ 
Christ had been born, that the Son of God had been had been given, the the angel uh, um, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts came, and they concerning this birth in Luke's gospel in two and fourteen, the Bible said this host of angels said uh, cried out, "Glory to God in the highest and on earth, goodwill toward men." I, I really want us to catch hold of what the angels were crying out. This angelical host was declaring that Jesus' birth would be glor- uh, would glorify God, and those who would serve the Lord would receive God's peace, and th- we would receive. God's peace because of God's will toward men. In other words, this has everything to do with God. It has nothing to do with us. And it took place because he desired for you and I to be reconciled to him. In other words, what they were saying is that Jesus is going to bring salvation to the world. And those who receive him would receive God's grace. They will, we would receive God's mercy. And he, this is for anyone. This is for everyone who would receive Jesus Christ. As Lord and Savior. Actually, in Luke's gospel, if you go down a few verses in chapter 2 and you look at verses 30 through 32, what we find is that a just and devout man named Simeon took Jesus in his arms and he said these words. He said, Lord, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory uh, to of your people. Here, J- Jesus was born a part of Israel and his birth would bring glory to Israel but not only would it bring glory to Israel it would bring redemption to all people Jesus was born to become the fulfillment of God's unlimited mission because we all stood in need of a savior I want to praise God today because we all Jew and Gentile alike we're all in need of a savior I praise God that at the foot of the cross we're all standing on level ground if we really understand it what took place at Jesus birth he not only went to wise men he not only went to those who were who had plenty and those who were of a great name and those who who people looked upon he also went to those lowly shepherds those that that, that people didn't even consider worthy to be mentioned and you remember when David was chosen to be king and the and the prophet went to David's father's house and said let me see your boys his own father David a shepherd boy out in the field watching the sheep. His own father didn't even consider his son that was out in the sheep. But you know what? With the birth of Jesus Christ, it came to the shepherds. We're on level ground at the foot of the cross. It don't matter where you come from, who your people is, what kind of dignitary you are or if you were abandoned at birth and you have nothing to your name at the cross of Calvary you can find salvation. Well, I'm so glad it's God fixed it that way, aren't you? If he hadn't have fixed it, I couldn't be saved. I couldn't earn my way. I couldn't, I, I'm not smart enough. I'm not wealthy enough. I don't have the right family name. I don't come from the right community. Man, you, I, I know some of you still here, some of you still have a chip on your shoulder about the way people look at people from Fairmont. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how they look at you. They need Jesus just as much as you do. And in God's eyes, we're all the same. Jew and Gentile alike. It doesn't matter whether we're, whether we're highfalutin or whether we're just low in that part of that lower class. We're all on level ground. Songwriter said, songwriter Annie Hawks, 
she said these words, and it just reminds me of who we are, who all of us are in need of a Savior. She said, I need thee every hour. Most gracious Lord, no tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee. Oh, I need thee every hour. I need thee. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. That's who we all are in need of a Savior. And God sent our Savior, his only, only begotten Son, to give his life so that we could have everlasting life. There we see, even in his birth, this great unlimited mission of God. But even early in the ministry of our Lord and Savior, he, he told the parable of the tares. The disciples came to him after he told this parable and, and they were seeking to understand the parable much better. And Jesus explained to them that he was the sower. The field was the world. The enemy was the devil. The harvest was the end of the age and the reapers were the angels. In essence, what Jesus was saying is that the kingdom of God will be advanced beyond Israel and into the entire world. Well, that ought to excite us today. (laughs) That the kingdom of God, that we have a part in it, that it goes beyond just one group of people, beyond just one nation of people, but it's, it's for whosoever will. And that's exactly, this is exactly what Jesus desires to do through us, to use us, to reach out to whosoever will. Everything we do here at Reedy Branch Baptist Church is to be done in view of the kingdom of God. This is not about us building our own kingdom. If we seek to build our own kingdom, we'll not see God's hand in it. But every decision we make must be for the glory of God. And when it is, we will see his hand in everything that we do. And not only will we see his hand in everything we do, but everything that he touches will prosper. I want to tell you, sometimes doing what God says do is going to hurt some feelings. Doing what God said do is going to run people the wrong way. But if we get on board with what God wants us to do, then we'll see it be blessed and it will be prospered. And a matter of fact, and if our feelings get hurt a little bit and we're doing what God wants us to do, then we'll get over those hurt feelings. Everything that we do here has got to be intentional. And intentionality must be to advance the kingdom of God. And even later in Jesus' ministry, we see the birth. We just heard of during the ministry, but even late in the ministry. He spoke to his disciples about the signs that will accompany his return. One sign found in Matthew 24 and 14 where it says that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. Do we get that? He's telling us that when his gospel is preached into all nations, the end's going to come. I've said this over and over. I don't know when he's coming. I just know he's coming. I can say that because of the authority of the word of God. Here, we're able to see God's unlimited mission just in this verse. 
Jesus stresses that the gospel is going to go out into all the world, to all nations. And the fulfillment of that began at Pentecost. Last week, we mentioned just briefly about the Tower of Babel. You remember that, and I said, we're going to come back to it next week. Well, what we know at the Tower of Babel was that God confounded everyone's language, and it scattered everyone upon the face of the earth. And then the prophet Zephaniah, he, re- he prophesied a reversal of this would take place. A reversal of the confusion of languages would happen. And what we find is at Pentecost that we can see that, that reversal. As a matter of fact, Zephaniah 3 and 9, it says, For then I, I will restore to the people their pure language, that they may, they may all call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. He's saying there's coming a day that where this is going to be changed, to where people won't be confused, and they, they're scattered, they won't be confused. And we see that happening at Pentecost. If you'll look in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, the Bible says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there come a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there... And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they, they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not these all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, those Dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and, and the parts of Libya, adjoining uh, Serene, and visitors of Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, uh, Arabs, we hear them speaking in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed, perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And others mocking, they were full of new wine. Here, I want us to understand what's taking place. It's that all these men from all different parts of the world, they came to Jerusalem. They came to Jerusalem for the right time, and they were come for these feasts. And when they come in this upper room, they got on one accord. You remember at the Tower of Bible, they were all on one accord. But they were on one accord to make a name for themselves. They wanted to build a tower from man to God, and they wanted to do it so that their name would be great. But here, they wanted to know about Jesus. They were seeking him and trying to find him for their lives, trying to find out what was what was, what was this Jesus was talking about, this power that would come. So in seeking the Lord on one accord, they came into this upper room and somebody began to speak. And when they began to speak, every man in their own native tongue, in their own native language understood everything that would be said. I want to tell you, there, right there is the reversal of what happened at the Tower of Bible. They came for the right reason and that was to come on one accord, touching and agreeing that Jesus is Lord and they wanted his power as they went out into the world and they began to understand even a language that was confusing to everybody. Why? 
Why? Why did that happen? Because God is so missional. Look there in verses 17 through 21. Peter began to preach. There were some in the crowd that said these men are drunk. They're on new wine and, and they don't know what they're, what's going on. They don't know what they're saying. But Peter began to preach. I want to tell you, whenever you preach the truth of the gospel, things will be set in order. And Peter says here, and it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And my servants, and on my servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs of the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into the blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. There's, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Folks, he was prophesying what was told in the book of Joel. And I want you to understand here what's taking place. Now, all these people with different languages from different corners of the world can go back because they understood what happened. Because they understood the gospel when it was preached. Where before they went scattered about in the world, not knowing nothing about the gospel, now they can scatter themselves, go to their native language, speak their native tongue, share the gospel, and the gospels proclaimed throughout all of the world. That's what's took place here because God was missional. <laughs> he was missional. And this really, this sets things in order because here at Pentecost, as these men began to speak, they were on one accord. I want to tell you, if we ever want to do anything for the Lord and know without a shadow of a doubt that he's in it, all we've got to do is come on one accord and seek him and his will. That's the only way to know. But we've got to come on one accord. Yes, this marks this time as not only do we see God's unlimited mission, not only we see it continued through his son, but we see it carried out in his servants. Here, while God had miraculously confounded the language of men so that they, they could not understand he miraculously confounded the men and their language. And they didn't understand why they were being scattered at Babel. But now here at Pentecost, those scattered, God miraculously poured his spirit upon them. And they came on one accord seeking his presence. Not for themselves, but that his son would be magnified and God would be glorified. He opened their understanding and now the gospel's gone to all peoples. Aren't you glad it has? Amen. Just imagine. Now, we want to give those pilgrims sometime a hard time. They did some things right, and they did some things wrong. But without them coming here, we wouldn't have the gospel. But we have the gospel. I'm so glad for each and every one that came. Because we have the gospel. Here it's carried out. We see it being carried out through his servants. In Luke's gospel, it's the story that, of what Jesus began to do and teach. Luke's book of Acts, in other words, the Acts of the Apostles, is the sequel to the gospel. It's the continuing mission of the resurrected Lord. Now, Jesus gave his, 
gave the command to his disciples. And we've seen that there in Matthew, in Matthew's gospel in 28, 19 through 20. We see that, that command. It says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And then he gives them some comfort. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's in this book of Acts that we see the command lived out in the believers of Jesus Christ. The unlimited mission of Christ assigned to his servants began in Jerusalem. And it reached Judea, it reached Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. But how? That's the question we probably all have is, how was it? It's because of the promise of his power. We see it there in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke and said to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In Acts 1 and 8, he says, But you shall receive power with the Holy Spirit, when, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Wherever we go, we who've received Jesus as our personal Savior, and are committed to the gospel, can share the gospel because wherever we go, Christ is right there with us. It doesn't matter what country. It doesn't matter what state. It doesn't matter what city. And it doesn't matter what community he sends us to. He's going to be right there with us. You know, I can testify to that about the state. Because when I went out to Oklahoma, he went with me. When I went to Arizona, he went with me. When I went to New Mexico, he went with me. And if I ever doubted, that trip to Mexico helped me to know without a doubt that he was with me. As a matter of fact, when I left home and come here, he came with me. When I leave here and go back home, he's going with me. Aren't you glad he's going with you? That there's nowhere in the world you can go. We don't have to be afraid of sharing the gospel because wherever we go, whoever we come in contact with, he's right there with us. And he's going to open our mouths. I'll give you a secret. I never know how I'm going to start off these messages. I have my notes and I never know the first words that's coming out of my mouth when I get in the pulpit. But he's with me. I have no idea how we're going to close this out, but I know this, he's with me. <laughs> when I open the book to start studying, he's right there with me. We can't go anywhere without him being with us. Wherever we go, his presence is there. That same power that Paul, Barnabas, Silas, and John Mark received while traveling and proclaiming the gospel of, uh, uh, to the Gentiles, we also have this power the power of the Spirit to help Paul say in Philippians 4 and 11 that, that not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. We sometimes think that that can't be us, but the power of God that was in Paul is in us also. And if you look there in verse 13 of Philippians 4, he says, I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? And there's nothing that you can face. There's nothing that you can, you can have before you that you can accomplish if Christ is leading you. I've learned that. I've learned that. I, I'm, I'll tell you a little bit that you may not know about me. I was always labeled the one that never finished anything. Start things and leave them where they're at. I was the one 
of the grandchildren on my daddy's side that, that grandma thought was the lazy one. I don't know why I did the same work everyone else done, but I was the lazy one. And when I called out to God about my, about coming here or going to Lumbee River, I'm going to tell you, it's harder here than it is at Lumbee River. I've done line work. I've worked with the contractors. I've worked along with those men there at Lumbee River. Now, it's work, but it ain't nothing like the work here. And my prayer was, God, you know me. You know what I will do. You know what I want to do. You know where I'm, I'm, I'm really energetic. You know where I'm lazy. You send me where you want me to go. But you tell me through your people. And when you voted and called me here, it was God telling me, you can't do nothing. You are the lazy one. You are the one who don't finish anything. But I'm going to show you, I'll be with you. That I'll finish the work. You just go and I'll finish the work. You just go and I'll do the work. You just go and I'll be right there to show that my power, that you can do all things through my power and not your own. He will strengthen us. These last three weeks has been heavy. It's been heavy on you. It's been heavy on me. But he's, put, he's laid me to rest and he's woke me up. He's given me the strength when I needed it and he's given me rest when I needed it. I know that whatever comes before me, if I trust him, <laughs> he'll provide everything that I need. It's because he has a mission. And he has a mission for us to uh, join him in. Folks, it's easy to get overwhelmed with the task that we've been given. However, he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He'll be with us until the very end. This unlimited mission of God is too important. It's too big for us to tackle it in our own strength. We need him. And God desires to use us to bless others. But he'll have to give us the power and the strength that we need. So in all we do, let's consider our responsibility. And that's to join with God and to build his kingdom and not our own. If it's my kingdom, it's going to fail. If it's your kingdom, it's going to fail. But if it's God's kingdom, it's going to prosper. Our unlimited God, he wants to pour out his unlimited power upon us as we share his unlimited love and his unlimited atonement while joining him in his unlimited mission to reach all people. We hope you've enjoyed the message today. And if you happen to not have a relationship with God, through His Son, Jesus Christ. We want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. If you would admit that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior and believe that God sent His very Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins and that He died for our sins and He arose on the third day, and then if you would confess him as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved. You must believe this with all your heart. And you must be willing to serve him. If you are, 
All you have to do is talk with Jesus. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a church to get saved. But if you get saved, find yourself a Bible-believing church. And I believe God will richly bless you.